Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who wants to express his profound grief at the death of Queen Elizabeth II, like Greg's and everyone. It's Richard Herring! Thanks very much. Thank you. A lot of royalists in. Thank you very much, my finest friends. Welcome to another edition of Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, but I was talking to uh, 100,000 Paddingtons today, <laughs> piled up on 100,000 rotting marmalade sandwiches. <laughs> and they all call it Rallister Passat. Now, that's, that's going to... don't know. Not much has happened this week, so there's not much to talk about. Uh, I think the whole nation is uh, obviously in mourning for the death of... Uh, Mrs. McCluskey from off of Grange Hill, so that's... Sorry if I've just broken that to you. I genuinely am very upset about that. But I'm not allowed to take a week off for that, am I? Oh, no. 
<laughs> um, uh, no, there's some, there, you know, it's, this is, uh, for the people listening at home, because this is going out in a few weeks, this was recorded on the day of the Queen's uh, procession through uh, her coffin being going through uh, Edinburgh. Um, it's kind of, I just think it's lucky that didn't happen like two weeks ago when the fringe was still going on. Because <laughs> by the end of that, that would just be plastered in flyers. The bins wouldn't have been emptied. You know, might have had some advantages. So it's, um, explain the smell. Um, this is going out live. I've got to be careful. This is being live streamed. And the good news, the game's good news. We've got a new king. God save the king. Hopefully it works this time, God, if you're listening. You had one job. The good news... Prince Andrew is now eighth in line to the throne, so that is only seven. Only seven people need to die, or to you know, abdicate. I'd say, I don't really want to wish those children. I just hope they'll dif- decide to abdicate. Uh, someone was arrested today uh, for shouting at Prince Andrew. Weird, isn't it? It's what they'll arrest you for and what they'll let, they'll, well, they'll let go. Isn't it? It's weird, it's weird. It's weird, isn't it? But, you know, he was probably very upset by that shouting. So, anyway, look, we're going to crack. Hey, look, I'll, I'll do some... I was just going to advertise other things rather than risk cancelling myself. Uh, Twitch of Fun is back. You can watch Twitch of Fun on Thursday nights at 8pm. Also on YouTube. It's really good. I'm really excellent at ventriloquism. Don't know if that's something to be proud of. Uh, do come and say Rahalastapa live. RichardHerring.com slash Rahalastapa. Um, and I've got a new book coming out soon. I don't know if you've heard about this. I lost a testicle uh, last year. Don't know if you've heard about it. There's a book all about that. Look, I'm very excited and only slightly scared uh, about this week's guest. We've been having a lovely... We have had a lovely catch-up backstage. Um, and uh, some tears have been shed. Uh, my guest this week is probably best known. There's a lot of things I could have chosen, but I think I have to go. She's best known uh, as the girl who smelled a spam from the TV seminal sketch show, Still Celebrated Today. Uh, <laughs> fist of fun. Will you please welcome the incredible Sally Phillips, ladies and gentlemen. The most Sally Phillips. Spamal. Come Hello. Do you, uh, do you still get people shouting? No, I do still sometimes get that. I get a mixture of, you know, uh, that and aha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And come the fuck on, Bridget. There's a few of, there's a few of them now. But, yeah, there's spam. Spam, ooh, was the first thing I had shouted at me in the street. Apart from your shit. <laughs> um... We tried to revive the girly smart of spam for. A, do you remember that for a sketch we did at the O2, the Apollo? Uh, I completely forgot that, but that was a terrible disaster. It was, it? It was absolutely <laughs> awful, and I just had a baby. Right. And I remember, uh, yeah, I, ha- I remember handing. There were all the male comics in the dressing room, and I had a baby. Right. And I was feeling really not ready to be there. The baby was too young. I just remember pushing it into Milton Jones's arms. <laughs> 
going out, being insulted about smelling of spam, and then yeah. and then leaving again, taking my baby, going quickly home before anyone could shout spam. Who at me. <laughs> but the audience completely nonplussed. It was the, yeah, it was like just... three thousand people. Nobody recognised what we were doing at all. No. It or wasn't a return of a favourite. It's like people. It's like they didn't even know what spam was anymore. <laughs> was... Never have I felt so old. Though I, I was reading your first TV job. I don't know if this was actually for uh, Fist of Fun. Was on Alas Smith and Jones. Yeah, it was with Mel. In it bed was with Mel my Smith. very first uh, paid job, which was only a few weeks before uh, doing Fist of Fun. Um, I was in bed. I got two uh, two sketches. Uh, for Smith and Jones. The first one was The Borrowers, and it required a near-naked couple to roll around on a double bed, reach for a condom and find the borrowers, i.e. Mel and Griff had taken it. <laughs> this good. was the 90s. And the other... So, yeah, that was, that was me. I remember being quite excited because I got some new underwear. <laughs> for free. And the other one was... I was in bed with Mel Smith... It started on Mel, and he was like, I'm terribly sorry, love. This has never happened to me before. It must have been the drink. And then it panned over to me covered in vomit, which, <laughs> <laughs> which was vegetable soup, nice. to which I was, it turned out, allergic. <laughs> so I swelled up and had to lie in London Television Centre backstage for wow. a couple of hours before I could open my eyes enough to see to go home. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Do you think they'd mix something it else in with the vegetable soup? <laughs> <laughs> You've never been covered in vegetable soup before? I hadn't, no. Wow, wow. There we go. Um, <laughs> and my... you, you have? <laughs> no, I Tell have. me. I probably, I probably have. I mean, there's, we've yeah. done a, a lot of terrible things. Uh, Chunky of... showers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to, the other possibility for the thing I was going to introduce you by was that you were Benedetta in the life of a lesbian nun in the Renaissance Italy. I was. Yeah. That was a one-woman show that I co-wrote, in which it was based on a true... You went there. I was a student at the time. Um, which was based on the true story of a young nun. Well, her, if you, you, her family gave her to a, a cut-price convent, and <laughs> she sort of put up with it until she was about 22, and then she started, clearly sort of an actress of some kind, started faking visions and learnt to throw her voice and pretended to commune with angels right. and, um, and used this power to pretend to be male angels and seduce a younger nun. And uh, <laughs> so I did this thing. I played all 50 nuns. But they, Paul Verhoeven has just done Benedetta, the erotic film. It just came right. out last year. It was at Cannes. So it was nothing like that. <laughs> Can you get you use real blood in, in yeah, this? Yeah, uh, the stage manager... Yeah. Uh, yeah, stage manager, I said... Because I was having to mime everything. It was that uh, time, and also we were poor. And I, uh, I said, can I have real blood for the... She faked her own stigmata in the, uh, you know, when the Pope came. And um, Stevie went off to the abattoir and got lamb's blood. And I ran backstage uh, in the dress rehearsal and tipped this vat of stuff all over me. It was uh, absolutely disgusting. I was a vegetarian at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you, you spent most of your career just being covered in various different... Covered in various different, different things. Fluids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But that was the name of being serious. So what was it that... Because you were doing... When, when I met you in kind of the early 90s in London, really, wasn't it? Because we, we, were, we were both at the same university, but not at the same time. 
um, you were sort of doing quite a lot of serious yeah. drama. I remember. So I, I wanted to be in touch with Complicité. And I was in a sub-theatre de complicité touring company, which used to do French A-level texts and tour around the country trying to <laughs> persuade schools to come and visit. And often would perform to very few people. Um, and I remember us doing a show, I think it was at the Turtle Key Arts in Fulham, and you coming. All right. I don't know why, because... Anyway... I was, I, st- I, I was studying it for a <laughs> Studying it for a <laughs> And um, it was very... Se- I think it was three... Or maybe it was Bellamy. Anyway, it was, um, it was... I think it was three of Guy de Maupassant's characters... Yes. ...torture him <laughs> <laughs> uh, for his unfair treatment of them as he's dying of syphilis. Yes. And it was very serious. Very serious. Very Good. <laughs> and he just laughed and laughed his way. <laughs> and promptly asked me to be in his Edinburgh show, Roll Roll Rasputin, a comedy biography of Rasputin the Monks, <laughs> set to the words and lyrics of Boney M. Yeah. And so then I would go to uh, Edinburgh, because I was already going up to Edinburgh, so all my expenses were paid, right? So I would, uh, I would torture Guy de Mopin. I was actually playing a prostitute who died of syphilis herself. Yeah. Um, it was very touching and challenging. <laughs> and I would do that and be all sort of worn out and then run across town and put on a boob tube and flares. And <laughs> on like a, and tiny, sing, a tiny stage. On a tiny stage. stage. Probably about the size of between these two chairs was, was yes, the size probably. of the stage. We yeah, probably... and I played Damien, didn't I? The yes, Cerevich, yeah. And I did... Yeah, Damien from The Omen. Yeah. It was about, you know, it was ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time. It was oh the my first, word. first jukebox musical. It was. It was really good. Yeah. And it was very good. It and was really, really good. The William Cook, who wrote for The Guardian, loved it. And he was on the Perrier panel that year. Uh, and, it was, and, it, and he was really bigging it up. And then the, the Perrier panel came on a Monday and were literally the only people in the audience. <laughs> and they just, it usually went, it, you know, it usually did really well and went very well. And it, we played to utter silence. I owe you a lot, though, actually. You, that uh, you that musical actually started my career. Right. Because I could not get an agent to come and see me die of syphilis for love nor money. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'd send all these uh, pictures of myself with, like, P.S., I cartwheel. <laughs> can do seven accents and cartwheel. Also, can wear corset, no problem. Um, and then, and then it was sort of frustrating, in a way, frustrating because I did nothing really in Rara Rasputin. Oh, I think you were. I, mean, I, I literally wore a boob tube and flares. That was it. <laughs> by the way, it was the nineties, as we've established. And um, yeah, and I got an agent straight away from that. There you go. So thank you very much. And that agent was Rebecca Front's agent. So I sat in Rebecca Front's slipstream <laughs> and took all the things she turned down. And. The rest is history. Incredible. I think, I think it was, there were some good parts in that for you. So it was good. It was, you were very good in that. And I, and I reckon, you know, you were, you were funny right from the, right from the get-go. I recognised you as being extremely funny. And you still wanted to really be a serious actor, which you just I said... I think that was, that's the tragedy of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that the more serious I am, the more people hoot with laughter. <laughs> like I was trying to get my passport photo done. And um, they kept sending me back, going, you're smiling. I go, I'm not smiling. <laughs> I'm actually weeping here. <laughs> I'm thinking of death. And, and that happens in, in shows, you know, in, in films. If I, if I have to look really, really sad, I have to go so dark in my head to get a kind of neutral expression. <laughs> you really don't want to know what's going on. And all those years of doing comedy don't help, because your, your face sort of sticks like that, doesn't it? Yeah. 
It does, but you, you're, yeah. you're extremely funny. And, you know, you, and, and it's amazing looking... And, you know, I knew you'd done lots, and obviously I've followed your career, but you've, you've, you've been in so many things. In fact, today I was just watching one of your latest things, which is an Australian film called How to Please a Woman, in which you're, you're fantastic. I think it's really... It's a, it's a real... Keep waiting for the I, joke. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't think I was going like, to like it. I didn't think you were going to yeah. like it. I didn't think I was going to like it. I feel like I'm going to be attacked. I'm just waiting. Yeah. And you, but you're the, you know, the, the thing is, I think you've done a lot of roles um, where you've been like part of a team or you've been like, mm. you know, a, the, the, a supporting player maybe. Uh, but this film, you are the absolute lead in and carry the whole film. And uh, it's, 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 about a, <laughs> it's about a woman who. Um, Sets up a cleaning business and then realizes that for that it's based with, with on a men, true story. Based on a true story. It's based on a true story. That there were these Sydney housewives who were, you know, elasticated trouser, nylon trouser wearing uh, women in their late forties and early fifties who decided that you know they hadn't, they were not prepared to give up on sex, and lots of their friends didn't want to give on, up on sex either. So they uh, they organized a cleaning. Business, which was uh, only only men would come and clean the house, and um, they would also offer sexual services on the side. And the director, who's actually an incredibly shy and slightly repressed person, <laughs> became completely obsessed, <laughs> completely obsessed with these with these women, and decided it was a really great, you know, for, form for a story for discussing female desire. Well, female is that, and the importance of knowing what you want and uh, explaining what you want and yeah. communicating both in both directions. It's a very, it's a very charming. It's in the spirit of the Full Monty or something like that. With a it's bit a, more, it's a solid two star film. I know. I think it's. <laughs> you know, it, it got three stars in the Guardian. It's not bad. You know, it's I, not bad. She wanted it to be as reach, reach as broad an audience as possible, and she's not a comedy director. She yeah. didn't intend it. She wanted it serious, serious, serious. And um, you know, it, it, I think she did make she did keep some of the gravity. Uh, in well, it. you know, yeah, I think so. I think it's an interesting subject. I think it's 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 it's, it's I think it's I think it's solid four star myself. <laughs> Thank but, you. But you know, for what for what it for, especially for what it is. But it's but you're you know you're. I think one of the reviews said, which is completely right, that you realise how good you are because you're quite uptight. Or the character's quite uptight all the way through and towards the end. Uh, becomes a little happier. I hope that's not a spoiler <laughs> for this kind of film. She goes through some struggles and then it works out all right for in the end. Uh, I'm so but, surprised to be talking about like proper work. I uh, thought I thought I was going to have an hour yeah. talking about my Vashkiri voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> it may come to, but I just because I've because I've literally just watched it today. I thought we'd talk about it first, but you know. But then when you were, it's, it's so lovely when you were, the, the character is happy at the end and the difference is. So yeah. marked. It's a, it's a, I think it will... Well, listen, I really loved it. And we got to go to Perth, which was in the lockdown, which was great. To go to the most isolated city on Earth was completely fantastic. And I love Australians. I, mean, yeah. I really, really love Australians, and especially Australian actors, because they're so open and um, you go, wow, that was really good. And in England, if you say to someone, oh, that was really good, they'll go, um, oh, you know... <laughs> Same, same performance, different wig or whatever. They always put it down. In Australia, they go, thanks very much. I worked really hard on that. <laughs> and it just feels so... It's just so much more relaxing when everyone's just honest about, about what's going on and care deeply about what they're doing. And, um, and also, it's not a bad place. It's beautiful. Very nice. Have you been to Australia much before? I was... Uh, You're born there, right? No, you I wasn't there. born there, but I did go to school there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because you had a, you had a, a life 
as a child, where you were all over the world, your dad yeah. was working in the yeah. foreign office, was he? British Airways. British, oh, British yeah. Airways. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, you did know that. I didn't know that. He did well, know I that, because he did actually live with my family for <laughs> I a while. Didn't know I was... We didn't know if we were going to talk about it. We did go out with each other for a bit. <laughs> did and... we? I don't remember. Yeah, did we? I don't remember. Yeah, he doesn't remember anything. I've been out with most of my guests. And that's why... <laughs> and that's why I've come wearing entirely witchy green. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're well, your dad fine. was a very, very strong tennis player. Before he, was, <laughs> he was, He got yeah. to the US Open finals. He's semi-finals. Semi-finals of, of the, doubles. Yeah, he, he did. He played in three out of the four of the Grand, grand Slams. And that's the reason... That I was sitting next to the royal box at Wimbledon. That's the reason you when were. When Princess Diana, which I mentioned last week, tried to get off with me. And <laughs> if at that we were I in a relationship. I think the awful thing about that story is it is actually true. <laughs> there was genuine because I was going out with him at the time. Remember, and I was standing, I was standing there, and he he suddenly goes purple, and so does <laughs> Princess Diana goes purple. <laughs> like it's one thing to be chatting up other people when you're with your girlfriend. But to be winking at a princess... I just pulled a funny... I pulled a funny... <laughs> it's not on, is it? Hence the green. But last week I said that if she'd invited me back to the palace, like, you would have had to let me go, right? You'd have had to, <laughs> you'd have, especially, you know, in hindsight, knowing... How, yes, how, I know that... How, how little, little time, time, how little time had she had left. <laughs> you'd want her to experience that. Just one... One moment of happiness in a terrible, <laughs> a terrible life. Terribly miserable life. You could have had a three-way with Dodie. <laughs> <laughs> he too had a, you know, he didn't have long to go, so that would have been... <laughs> You're a generous man. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk, well, seeing we've brought it up, let's briefly talk oh, yeah. about... Okay, let's just clear the air. <laughs> I'm truly sorry. <laughs> It was well. You mentioned this on Mel Gerdroit's show, which is Gerdroit, yeah, unforgivable, the unforgivable thing I did, um, in which we, I which mean, we... came after the unforgivable thing that you did. <laughs> <laughs> we were in a relationship and we broke up, and I think the mistake we made was we sort of liked being broken up more than being together. <laughs> and you, liked each you, other better. you did, you <laughs> well, did. You did I thought I wanted to get married. Yeah. Well, you know, in hindsight, I wish we'd married. We could have had a family, no, could have got that happen. out of the way, and I could have been shagging loads of people now. So the joke's on, the jo- <laughs> the joke's on me. His mother wrote to me, or his father wrote to me, yeah. Well, you love my mum and dad more than I me. I did, yeah, you maybe to, I did. And your wrote... lovely sister with her gorgeous kids. Yeah. And uh, they all played the tuba. Did they all play the tuba? They played the trumpet. One of them played the trumpet. I, I feel, I feel <laughs> like... And they lived next door. His sister and his mum and dad lived next door and some of them in cheddar and it was just a really nice setup. And his mum grew amazing tomatoes that yeah. just were uh, wonderful. She loved my mum and dad more than she loved me. Yeah. Which, you know, again, I'm now the same age as my dad was then. So. Yeah. And you were about to go into... <laughs> I'm basically him. You were about to go into your leather trouser wearing face, so I'm really, <laughs> really glad I missed that. <laughs> that was only fun stage. It's interesting what different things we remember. I was just, I was just kind of. The fact that a trumpet becomes a tuba is probably indicative. Uh, That's good, right? Yeah, it is. I hope it applies in all directions. So it's. Um, 
But we did a show together after we... Well, we weren't on, off, and off. I thought this was why it was such a nightmare, right? I thought we were back together, and you thought we are just having... My son is in the room. Casual sex. <laughs> and many a uh, mid-20 relationship, you know, goes wrong yes. on this. People not being entirely clear yeah. about, about that. So um, we started... And, and, and I, rea- I think I didn't realise straight away, but that show, Richard Herring is All Man, yeah. was really an explanation of why you couldn't have a long-term relationship. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't really realise that because it was sort of coming in in bits. <laughs> you know, the sketches. I didn't really understand that it was about, partly about why you could not be with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to be the wisdom character, didn't I? And I had to... Didn't I have to... Well, I don't really... Tell you you couldn't be with Mrs. Stimpy. There's Mrs. Stimpy. <laughs> I have to go, no, you must yeah, you spread your wild oats. <laughs> so it was a bit... It turned... But once I, I thought I realized, that was you saying that, Sally. I didn't understand <laughs> it was the character... <laughs> Yeah, and and so the thing I'm truly sorry for, Richard, and I'm being witnessed here, that um, we started doing this thing, and Richard was by this stage seeing someone else, and it was just, I went a bit bonkers. And at the time, I was doing a show with Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith's Hamlet, and Arthur hadn't written it. So um, I rang Richard from Bath, went, listen, we're on to... I mean, for example, Arthur said, Sally, at this point, there'll be a point where you play the piano. And I go, I, I can't play the piano. They go, yeah, you can, Sally. You can do anything, anything you want. You went to Wickham Abbey, for God's sake. You can play the piano. And there was genuinely a bit where I just, just try and play the piano, not having any idea how to play the piano. And um, I rang Rich and I said, listen, I've got to be Ophelia and I, there's nothing to say. Can I say that, um, you know, Hamlet has just dumped me because he's got a show coming out on BBC Two and he wants to sow his wild oats? <laughs> Which had been, <laughs> been <laughs> uh, was a joke at that point because I thought we were back together, and you said that's that's fine. Okay. But by the time we actually got to Edinburgh, <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> by the time we actually got to Edinburgh, I, it was no laughing matter, and I was properly angry. And, <laughs> and so. But I sold you more tickets because people used to come and see the double. <laughs> so they'd come and see Richard Herring is all man <laughs> and watch me breaking down there yeah. and then come and watch well, Arthur Smith's Hamlet. You saying you heckled me? I don't remember that. You I say... did heckle you, yeah, backstage. I remember because it was a bit where he did a piss take of <laughs> me dying of syphilis, that show. He goes, my name is Guy de Maupassant, he said. <laughs> and... Um, I can't remember. I do remember going, you're a shit actor from backstage. <laughs> <laughs> and Graham Linehan sort of afterwards almost grabbing me by the scruff of the neck and going, I'm not going to try and do his accent, but you, know, you can't do that, Sally. You can't heckle him during the show. <laughs> it's a bit much. Maybe wait till after. Yeah, so I'm my... truly sorry. I didn't put... put your real phone number no. on the thing. You know that. I do. Well, I thought, I don't, no one rang me. I'd have quite liked <laughs> I was, I was very lonely enough. So we had Mad Frankie Fraser in the show. As a, so Arthur was sort of contrasting Hamlet, the man of thought, with Mad Frankie Fraser, the man of action. And we'd had lunch with Mad Frankie Fraser. And Arthur went, did you ever kill anyone? Of course I did. <laughs> and, um, and the joke was that I'd put, that Ophelia had put 
Hamlet Herring's phone number <laughs> <laughs> up on the, Dick Kipper. Actually, that was yeah, the name. Dick wasn't Kipper, it? You Dick Kipper me, yeah. yeah. I enjoy. I went. Anyway, to, I'm really sorry. I saw right. I went to see. I'm the genuinely show. sorry. I went to see the show and I I did enjoy it, but because I, I well, it was it, got, it transferred to the West End. It's <laughs> quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, but I'm a huge fan of Arthur Smith as well as, as yours, and so I saw there's part of me that was quite flattered. You to were be more in of a fan of Arthur Smith, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was quite flattered to be in the show. But I think it was sort of it was a quite strange, damaging and not very it was quite nice. Quite damaging time. thing to happen, and I'm really to sorry to both of us, though. So I'm very sorry as well. It's okay, I forgive you. No. I've, I've absolutely forgive you because you're a, a terrific uh, woman. And I made. I'd say, I made stop, a, I'd say stop here. I made a terrible. <laughs> I made, and I would like to propose to you now. <laughs> I just let no. I, I, you know, I, it, it, fuck it. <laughs> it's weird getting I, older, isn't it? Because I mean, these things are so big. Uh, they feel so big in your life. But we were twenty-four, twenty-two. Yeah. We it's were a long children, time ago. especially me. I was especially a child, so you, you dodged a bullet, I think. Is no, the um, straight back at you. <laughs> anyway, I've got my lovely son here, so it all worked out fine. Ollie, where are you? Yeah. There. That's Ollie's just turned 18. Yeah. It's all right for you to say, my kids are dicks. I've <laughs> <laughs> been looking after them all weekend. It's been and my ha- cousin Connor's here. Can I say hello to Connor? Connor? Hey, Connor. Thanks for coming. <laughs> you this could have been related swap, to Connor. This isn't swap shop. You can't say hello to people. This is not here. There's people listening at home. You can say hello to any, and everyone you know at home. Um, hello, Keith Herring. <laughs> Keith, it's, still, it's still going. They still, they still talk. When I did relativity, I put a bit about the tomatoes in the I know, I saw relativity. it. I saw it. <laughs> there you go. We're through the difficult bit. <laughs> Perhaps, there was something I wanted to talk about about the previous Edinburgh. I can't remember what it was now. It's, it's got lost. About you did. We did Rich showing his fat the year before. What was I going to say? Can't remember. Rara Rasputin was completely fantastic. I think you should bring it back. Well, and also Boney M. Like what an underplayed band. I yeah. mean, awesome Boney M. Come on now. The thing with Ralph Rasputin was all about Charles and Diana, which would, which did, uh, we might be able to update it now. To, it did all kind of fit. I mean, I think... But it was know, mainly about the Russians, wasn't it? Well, it sort of was, but it sort of wasn't. It was sort of... Wasn't it? It was... It was con- you were Rasputin. I was Rasputin. Yeah. Was, but I had French fan- Mr Kipling's French fancies, which I don't think is... <laughs> I think that's c- canonical about, uh, about him, it may be. Um, well, we, we did Fist of Fun... Despite having broken up. Did we? Yeah. I thought that was before we broke no, up. No, it was after. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah. I insisted you were still in it. I don't think many people would have done that. No. So well, I'm, uh, you're a... I'm a great, I'm a great guy. Uh, but, <laughs> but also, I knew... Because you were, so, you were brilliant in that show as well. I so didn't know that I was. You I were. I, anyway, I, anyway I'm, I'm, as I said, very grateful. I owe you my career. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I'm deeply sorry. <laughs> Can I have a part in the new Bridget Jones film, please? I'm not in charge of that. <laughs> I did audition for a part in Bridget did you? Jones, yeah. Which one? I think it was a character that got cut out of the film. I wasn't right for it. There was a, a man inter- interviewing somebody. Oh, yes, I know who did that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But, in the fire station. Uh, it was in a tent or something. I don't know what it was. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Oh. I think it got changed anyway. I did watch uh-huh. it and I recognised some of the lines, but I wasn't very good. So, oh, And well. you are very good. <laughs> 
You were right. You were right when you heckled me back in the, back in the show. No, I heard you on the radio this week. You've got a drama on the radio. Uh-huh, very yeah. good it is too, and you were very good. Oh, thank you. Look, isn't this boring when people yeah. are nice to each other? <laughs> Why haven't you been nice to me in the 1990s when I needed to be... <laughs> when everyone else was being horrible to me? And... I had to go through Steve Coogan and, and Patrick Marber telling me I couldn't act. Why, why weren't you there? Um, Did they? They, oh, they were horrible. They were fucking Were horrible. they? Yeah. <laughs> were they? We do, we but did, you were horrible to Patrick well, Marber. You used to yeah, do a thing why, about... Yeah, that's why we were oh, horrible to Patrick. Yeah, I've, I've sort of... You I've, got your revenge, though. I mean, every single episode, you had, a, <laughs> you had Patrick Marber's I, face on some spoons or I, something. <laughs> I saw Didn't Patrick Marber at Steve Coogan's uh, 50th, 50th birthday party and he saw me coming towards him and he went... Oh. <laughs> 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 he was talking to David Baddiel and I said, oh, hi. He said, oh. And then I said, oh, you still cross about that? He said, yes. He was quite, he was quite upset. Um, but I, I apologised to him. But he, they were... Not, they, we did a show called The Dumb Show that was the first show we did, which was, should have been amazing. It was Steve Coogan, Patrick Marber, Stuart, Simon Munnery as a kind of wild Genius. Card. Uh, and me, and and we tried to reinvent the sketch show, but it, people weren't ready for it. And we, I think they just thought we would write all the sketches and they'd do all the sketches. Um, it didn't. But didn't you write on the hour? We did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's seminal. It is, it is, but there we go. It I remember so that... going to my first comedy awards um, when that was nominated um, and not being able to take my... I didn't know what, you know, I, these awards, I didn't really know what you were supposed to wear or whatever. I'd run to Camden Market and got a cheap shift dress and matching bomber jacket. And it was really hot and I couldn't take the bomber jacket off because I shaved my armpits. <laughs> <laughs> Getting hotter and hotter and hotter. But also being bedazzled by birds of a feather and people like that. That, that was the last did one. Did you that, win? I think you won. We might have won with On The Hour, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've never been, I think I did two, two mm. years with On The Hour. And have never been back to the British Comedy Awards. But the last time I did it, I got I cut my hand. <laughs> I got, just got, we'd, any, anything like that where there was free drink, we would just drink as much as we could. We had they no do money. it on purpose now. They don't give you any, right. any food. And they give you loads and loads of drink and they hope you'll behave badly. Yeah, so we behaved badly and I cut my hand and my, I had my shirt <laughs> covered in blood and then was never invited back. And the last time I went to the BBC Christmas party... Don't do that. Um, I, <laughs> I got so drunk that me... I, I got Stephen Moffat, the, the writer of Press Gang and um, Doctor yeah. Who and Sherlock. The entire time we were going out, he had a pin board above <laughs> his bed with a big picture of Julia Sawala on. <laughs> right? And I had to say... Could you put a photo of me up there? It's not true. Big Julia, tiny me. It's true. It is true. It is true. It's true. And then guess who went out with after Catherine Shepherd? Julia Sawala. Well done. Congratulations. Again, careful what you wish for, Sally. That's. How many more actresses did I have to go out with before I learned my lesson? Um, <laughs> I, I, for, we started climbing up the Christmas tree. I think there was a... I think there Thank was, you, Pan, what are you talking about the now? BBC Christmas party. Oh, right. We started cli- I think it was a staircase behind the Christmas tree and I, and I crawled up it and Stephen Moffat was crawling up behind me and then I never got invited to the, to the BBC Christmas party again either. But he, he did all right, didn't he? Yeah, Stephen Moffat, yeah. Well, I just one. was married to Dexter Fletcher in something. Oh, yeah, how's he doing? Film. Yeah, he's lovely. Yeah. He's so nice. In fact, we did talk about you and Julia. 
she once called me Dexter when we're having sex. (laughs) (laughs) So tell him that next time you see him. great relationship so uh, it was good it's good it went well it went well <laughs> even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk about you. Or not, I'm easy. (laughs) I mean, this is what the people wanted. Um, But I like, you know, look, uh, A, another thing I was nearly going to introduce you by, which is what I introduced Simon Pegg by when he went as as my... Uh, Six pairs of pants. Six pairs of pants. Yeah. Can you remember all the people in six pairs of pants? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I can. Can you? Well, Simon Pegg. Yeah, I gave you Jessica Hines. Yeah. Uh, Katie Carmichael, yeah. Neil Malarkey, he was. Well and done. Simon Schatzberger. Wow. Did better. Of course I, I can. We did I, don't, s- I don't think Peg could do it. I don't think Peg remembered them all. Didn't I he? forgot Malarkey was in there. I'd have to say until yeah. I saw it, yeah. It was a bit weird that Neil Mal- Malarkey was in there because he was about 10 years older than yeah. everybody else. <laughs> he was. Yeah. And he, he yeah, I don't, well, none of us enjoyed it. Did he, did he tell you the story about us? The way, so it was this really, um, I'm going to say shit. Um, <laughs> shit sketch show from Meridian in Anglia but at least it was something happening you know where we, none of us had done anything before um, really and um, yeah but it was incredibly cheap so they had us staying one night in Truck World <laughs> for five pounds a night it was a, like a motel with, a, with tr- famous truck bumpers <laughs> up on the wall and they had a blue comedian and a stripper in the bar. Oh, wow. And there was trails, sticky trails, along the, along the Hessian walls. <laughs> and moths stuck in the lamp. It was awful, really you awful. Tell us about that, yeah. Yeah, but that's where Daisy... Uh, that's where... Um, I can't remember what... Daisy and Tim, yeah. the characters from Spaced, originated there. Yeah, so it's all, all of these things are, are, are mm. important. And um, 
Uh, hippies as well. Was that before? Was that hippies after Smack the Pony? Was it Don't before? know. I can't Pass. Remember. Hippies is not as bad as they said <laughs> at the time. I think hippies suffered. It's really, I think it's really good. It's only one series and it's written by Lynn Hannah Matthews. It was their first thing after Father Ted. And it really suffered from coming out a couple of months after Spaced. So it was shot in a sort of, it was deliberately shot in a pros arch, you know, BBC aquarium style sitcom to look like it was, uh, looked like a 60s thing. And uh, Simon is the lead with Julian Ryan Tut playing sort of 60s hippies. Darren Boyd's in it, he's brilliant. I'm in it, I'm, I think I'm a bit average to be honest, <laughs> but they're fantastic and it's really, really funny and stupid. But Space came out before and just turned everything on its head because you had Edgar Wright um, doing cinematic shots for the first time. So up to that point, really, you'd do your funny stuff and the camera would catch you doing it. Whereas this was, you were having to do your comedy stuff, the camera took precedence and made everything else look really uh, old. Yeah. And so, um, sorry, I'm being quite boring. No, but um, But yeah, yeah, but it's not as bad as they say. <laughs> um, and of course, well, there's—I mean, you know, Smack the Pony and I'm Alan Partridge. Mm. It was like that was a pretty fantastic period of time where you were getting to do that. Yeah, well, it's weird, isn't it? Because we were like you and I and our gang. You know, we were getting we were getting thumped a bit um, by the world, but at the same time, we was just so arrogant. I didn't realise that it wasn't going to carry on getting better. <laughs> so, I mean, I'd seen you and Stu in your sketch meetings shouting at Sarah Smith, going, no, we're not doing that, that's shit. We're not going to do it like that, it's going to be like this. No, it's like this, so we're going to resign, kind of thing. <laughs> and um, so I was a bit like that in Smack the Pony. Right. So I was like, no, I'm not doing that, that's not, that's not funny, I'm not going to do it. And I remember some of my, well, my favourite sketches of Darren Boyd and I literally refusing to do what's on the page. And um, Victoria Pyle just giving up with us, like, sort of you know, three-year-olds going, okay, well, what do you want to do then? You've got ten minutes, got to think of something else. And sketches, like, there's one where uh, he and I are in a bar and uh, I say, what music do you like? And he says, oh, I like that one, you know, and then he just sings an entire song. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was born out of us going, I absolutely refuse to do this terrible <laughs> sketch that is there. And another one with uh, getting a glass stuck to my face, sucking a glass onto my face and not be able to get it off and running in high heels, things like that. They were, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was just incredible freedom and I, a freedom I've never had since. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did. I, mean, I think it doesn't exist anymore, that freedom, really, unless mm. you're Amanda Yanucci or, you know, there's very few people, uh, Reese and Steve seem to have it as well, who's coming up, but... Um, but, you know, there's very few people who are allowed to do exactly what they want. And that, but that was the... That, you know, we were, like, very cocky. And, yeah, we and were. And rightly and wrongly. And so, but that's the... You know, and we did... There was that belief, and it was a gang of people, and certainly for those sort of five or six years, it sort of... But it was formative, wasn't it? So you yeah. sharpen each other's humour, so you do get yeah. better. Of course. And as you get older, you become more isolated, and then you're much easier to spook. So if someone goes, oh, I'm not sure about that, then I'm very quickly not sure about that too. Yeah. Whereas with a gang of us, we go, no, this is good, is it? They go, yeah, it's great, it's brilliant, they're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, that is true. And so wait, how did, you, how did, the, how did the, part, the partridge part come up? And how did you, do, you, do you remember how you got that part or is it? Is I remember it... I auditioned for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I auditioned for it, yeah. And um, I was, I'd written, a, I'd written a radio drama 
for Radio 4 when I was recording that. Written it for John Fortune and Eleanor Braun. Wow. To, I don't know, you have to be old to know who they are, but they were, <laughs> they were amazing. They are amazing. And that was a junior minister for transport having to go up a tree because he said he would if they built a motorway through his constituency, <laughs> which feels sort of, I don't know, like I better, I wonder if, I, don't, I haven't got a copy, I'd be quite interested to listen to it. And I went off and auditioned, and they, the story goes, I was told later that they had been auditioning a lot of supermodels because <laughs> Steve had said, I think she should really... <laughs> <laughs> you know, she should really throw Alan. He should, she, he should come in and she should be so beautiful <laughs> that he just can't cope. And they'd auditioned the supermodels and they hadn't been very funny. Yeah. And so then Armando had decided <laughs> to audition some people who were funny. And I remember him coming in and thinking, oh, the funniest thing to do now is laugh and leave. But if I laugh and leave, I won't be in it very much. And they're thinking, actually, that's quite convenient because I'm up in Edinburgh and it clashes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's what I did and that's yeah. what stayed in. And, um, yeah, I was incredibly fortunate to do that. Yeah. Uh, and with um, Smack the Pony... Was it? Did you try? Did you try to do that again quite recently? Was there a sort of talk of reforming? The... Well, we've got this thing where people come up to us the whole time, going. Um, when I say recently, like you know, the last ten years, I guess people come up all the time, going, "Are you doing another one? Will you do another one? Can you do another one? Are we really miss it? Will you do another one?" And so occasionally we would, because we're mates, you know, we'd get together and go, "Well, do you think people really want another one? Or should we, should we put something together?" So we put together all kinds of different things. So I wrote a... Or we, we sort of improvised, and then I wrote up a thing which was uh, three sisters all kind of getting divorced at the same time. And that went a certain way with Channel 4, and then there was a change of personnel. And then we did a sketch show thing for the BBC, and that went a certain way, and then there was a change of personnel. Yeah. And really, to be honest, I just I can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> just, people still come up and say, will you do another one? But, and I think there is something to do with older women. I mean, older women are not on the telly in the same way. Or, you know, there's certainly things to say about the older female also, experience. What, what TV is failing to acknowledge or realise is that only middle-aged people watch TV anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> there should be more programmes for middle-aged people. Yeah. Because they're not going to get... It's dead. Once we're dead, it's dead. <laughs> So, that is true. So there's that. But it, but it would be fantastic. And the three of you are, you know, are still at the top of your game, still all fantastic. Fiona's doing lots of stand-up now. It's yeah, Dune's, yeah. Dune's, Dune's amazing. Always working. She just blew so John it would be, it would be, And also it would be great to see... Because it, you know, it was such a youthful kind of energetic show. It would be sort of fun to see it with... I can't be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> but that... It just, just it feels like, I mean, it just feels like there's so many struggles to have there. One is, you know, what you do with the previous brand. You know, do you do it the same or do you do it different? And then it's, you know, can you live up to it or not? And the sketch show is dead. Long live the sketch. I mean, how are, you, how are we doing the sketch show these days? And, and it just feels like it, if I were going to do a sketch show, it would just be a lot easier to do it with someone else so there was none of the other baggage. Yeah. I mean, you're doing pretty well doing movies and stuff. So in so, in Solid two-star movie guy. Some, I'm a two-star movie star. <laughs> in some ways, yeah. doing a sketch show might be a backward step from being in films. Um, but there's another Bridget Jones. Is there coming up? 
who knows? Oh, okay. I mean, they they you know they announced it in the papers, and the availability checked me for now. Okay, and I'm I'm here. I'm free. This is this is part of it. I got the job. This was the this is the character I'm playing. Did pretty well. Yeah. Um, I I auditioned for um, well I didn't I wanted to but I, I didn't I didn't. Uh, That's but, a hilarious story. Well, no, wait. I auditioned for. Uh, for Bill Grundy in the Pistols thing, they wanted me to audition ah. for it, and I learned it all and got it and, and started doing an impression of him, and then they just cast Kevin Eldon. Cast Without, Kevin Eldon? Yeah, Kevin Eldon did it, the actor Kevin Eldon. Uh, he was good. Kevin Eldon's in a lot. He is a lot. He's yeah. doing very well. He is. He is Edward, it, I haven't what, seen Kevin for ages. How is he? Not, I, I haven't seen him for quite a while. I saw him either. at uh, when I was doing Lisa Tarbuck's show. What was that even on? Do you remember that Lisa Tarbuck? Panel show, game show I did? No. No. Don't think it was... was it, maybe it was House of Games. I did a show where I elbowed uh, Denise Van Outen in the face. Uh, accidentally. <laughs> I think it was the same show. But I got quite drunk, which is why I ended up elbowing Denise Van Outen in the face. Have you ever hurt a uh, celebrity? Apart from accidentally, you. you've hurt me. <laughs> Higher. <laughs> No, but um, Hugh Grant doesn't talk to me. Oh, really? Because I got very drunk in Thailand. Right. And um, was very indiscreet, and then he became afraid <laughs> of my giant mouth. I lost my flip-flops in the sea, and I was sick in the guitar bar sand <laughs> toilet. And now he doesn't, doesn't talk to me um, except on set. Right, OK. Which is completely fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> we could get you to make up with Hugh Grant. I, he was that when I did a gig for which I've mentioned many times for um, uh, Theo Fennell, the jeweler store. Theo Fennell, Emerald Fennell's dad. Yeah, uh, Fennell is his name. Is it? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to call him Fennell. I'm not fucking calling him Fennell. Uh, uh, and uh, it was like every the, all the most famous. Herring. It was yeah, herring. Uh, it was like Elton John and all the most famous people in the world. You you did a gig. I did a gig. I had to do te- five minutes of talking cock. That's. Terrifying. Yeah. Well, I sort of found it quite funny, but Hugh Grant was the only person who laughed. (laughs) So so I like Hugh Grant. But he started in comedy. Yeah. He had a triple act, and he called the Jockeys of Norfolk. He doesn't talk about that much. (laughs) Is this why he doesn't talk to you anymore? Do you remember that time he got sucked off by that uh, that prostitute? That's probably probably why he's not talking. Do you remember that? Do you remember? Who remembers that? Is that what you went in with? Do you, do you remember that? What was that all about? Why were you getting sucked off by that? You could get sucked off by anyone. You're Hugh Grant. You don't have to pay a prostitute. Is that why? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't go 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 off with that. No. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't go in that way. Well, you've done a lot of amazing shows. And but the best one is Justin's house. Yes. Tell us about Justin's house. Well, Ollie, Ollie, yeah. um, do you remember Mr. Tumble? Yeah. Yes. So um, when I had Ollie, Ollie taught me sign language, Makaton. And the way we learned that, Makaton is uh, kind of baby British sign language. And you do it with all, alongside speech. So it's to give a visual prompt when people are learning to talk and people with Down syndrome are brilliant visually, have great visual memories. So it really helps to give a visual prompt. And I did a course, Makaton stands for Margaret, Karen, and Tony. 
Astonishing, right? Wow. And they used to charge you to do it, but I think they've had to back off on that because you can't, like, charge people to use a language. No. Um, or maybe you can, I don't know. But anyway, there's a brilliant programme on CBeebies um, called Mr... Was it called? Something Some, special. Something special, yeah. And Justin Fletcher who's a man, I had an Australian um, maternity nurse for one of my kids. She says, he's, he's, got, he's got children's teeth. <laughs> That's why the children like him. He's got baby teeth. He's got all his milk teeth. It's weird. <laughs> I said, Mr. Tumble. That's how you do Mr. Tumble. And so I got... Okay, I want to tell you the absolute truth. Should I tell you the yeah, absolute yeah, truth? Because there's a party line and there's the absolute truth. So the absolute truth is I get a call from my agent going, um, CBeebies are doing a learning day. I wonder if they can interview you. And I was like, oh, oh, well, you know, I mean, I'm at home quite a lot at that point. And I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's not going to take very long. I just turn up at White City, do that, and then leave. And I had absolutely boggled to say about anything. <laughs> and I got trapped. I don't know if you ever get this, but you just start... I started saying how great something special was. And before I knew what had happened, I was, you know, eulogy. I was going, this is, you know, it's the most amazing program <laughs> for inclusion. It's just profoundly touching. It's meant such a lot to my family, which it did mean a bit to our family, <laughs> but maybe not as much as I, as I made out. At the end of which, uh, the producer came, Alan Johnson, a very nice, smart guy, came up and said, since you like it so much, would you and your family like to be on it? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, why, why not? Why the hell not? Yeah, so we go down to Brighton and we have a family day on something special. And I'm quite pregnant at that point. It's really hot. And the kids... Do you remember it all? Do you remember it? And the kids did a lot of standing near the Helter Skelter but not going down it, being near the sea but not going in it. <laughs> we went to the aquarium and you, Ollie, all you wanted to do was get in the water with the turtles. <laughs> and... I was trying to keep you on the boat and you're trying to dive in and I'm trying to smile for the cameras with Ollie trying to go in the water and a bit of a wrestling match going on. And then, anyway, that was such a huge success that he invited me onto Justin's house where I got to play Wander Round. And I've never seen it, but apparently it has been screened 40,000 times. <laughs> it's good. It's I'm... quite touching, that. Yeah. I mean, it's quite touching because you're doing a sitcom, a live audience sitcom like we've done, but everyone's under five. Yeah. And it's so sweet. They go crazy. I can sing a lot of the songs to you if you like. I can, can remember you? them. Yeah. Justin's house. That's about it. <laughs> and I, I, Robert the Row. When I I watched CBeebies a lot when my, especially when my daughter not so much when my son but when my daughter was young I watched CBeebies all the time yeah. and fell in love with Rebecca from CBeebies. Uh, it was very complicated, but I would tweet about it all the time. I knew all the songs to everything. And Robert the Robot, that guy, tweeted me to say, hey, I'm Robert the Robot in real life. Uh, it's good. And I was really pleased. And the bloke who plays uh, in uh, the... It's a, bit, it's a bit while since I watched it. What's the ones that I, that I could use to sing the, sing the whole song to with Uber Corn in it? That one, the... Uh, Go Jetters. The bad guy from Go Jetters listens to this podcast. Oh, Robert yeah. the Robot is also the voice of Fireman Sam. Is he? He is. Well, he's very, they're very talented guys. They very, they very are. And we met, <laughs> we met Justin, but my daughter doesn't remember meeting him. Oh. Uh, we, had, we had to wait half an hour to meet him in a corridor. Yeah. I, I remember saying to him, so, I mean, he... Okay, the absolute truth. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, um, I, I think he's... I, I think it must be terrible. Yeah. Uh, because special needs parents, we are quite entitled. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I think they're always coming up to him going, could you just open this primary school? It's only going to take three hours of your time. <laughs> could you just come and see this dying child? It's only going to take 48 hours of your time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just really, really difficult. I mean, I well, sense I w- he's become afraid of the public. Well, I just he's retired can't... to Henley. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine... I mean, he's, he's very successful, so, you know, that's one thing. But I was just sort of thinking from his point of view, if he ever... I don't know if he's got kids, but if he ever had kids, he can't ever take them anywhere because all the other kids will just be going nuts. Because he's, he's... Even if he'd just been Mr Tumble and then not been Justin, they wouldn't know... They can't... Kids can't tell the difference between the two. They think they're two no. different people, I mean. But, uh, if he, you know, he, he can't walk but down the street. Int- what's interesting is that... I mean, I... I I really, as you may remember, or maybe you wiped it from your memory, I really love clowns. <laughs> I mean, I, I really actually love clowns. Is that why I had to dress up like, like a clown? <laughs> <laughs> Just going to leave that there. I remember you, like, proper clowns. Like, proper clowns. Proper clowns. Like yeah, go to, I went to clown school, went to three it? different clown schools. So I tried to engage Justin on clowns. And he had, I would say, a near total ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) But then I saw him being interviewed a few years later and he was, you know, up to speed on who was who by then. But I think think he was made a clown by CBeebies. So they forced him to be a clown. They forced him to be a clown. (laughs) And now he's pestered by special needs parents and has to live with his nine Cadillacs in Henley and never go out. (laughs) (laughs) But you've done some great stuff for for disability rights, and especially, obviously, around uh, Down syndrome. So have you. I have, but... And that's how we began to make peace, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> because... <laughs> because you very bravely stood up... Um, uh, so, Ricky Gervais made a comment about, I'm going to repopularise oh, the word... Don't start this again. <laughs> well, am I not allowed... Do you, do you want no, to talk sorry. about it? I'm going to repopularise the word mong. And um, that's not okay by our community. It's hurtful and, you know, uh, Mong and Retard just not all right. They're very, very hurtful. And people aren't as sensitive to those words as they are to some other words, you know, uh, different groups. And um, you very bravely stood up to Ricky Gervais on Twitter and kind of went, "Um, that's not all right. And you got just destroyed by his 40 million (laughs) Twitter followers. But I woke up that morning and our community, imagine my displeasure, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) to see my inbox full of Richard Herring is a hero. Oh, my God. If I ever meet this man, I'm going to kiss his hand, I'm going to buy him a drink. What a brave man. I'm following him, I'm buying tickets for his next show. So, well, I mean, I did. I mean, I just said, think about words before you use them, and then you know, and think, and because it was, I don't want to get Ricky Gervais fan. It was really horrible. <laughs> Ricky Stewart's just been in trouble with. Uh, well, I mean, like Stewart's just been very rude about Ricky Gervais. Whether he's right or wrong is is uh, is up for debate. But he's right. Um, <laughs> but, no, I'd love to get you on the podcast, Ricky. Still, so do come on. Um, <laughs> But I, do, you know, I just wrote a blog because I've been doing a lot of work with Scope. But just because I, I sort of fell into that accidentally, really, there was no, there was no personal connection to it. But I just and that's partly why they loved you so much. <laughs> but yeah, now it... I've only got one bollock, so you know. <laughs> does that I mean, does that count? Am I? Does that, 
Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> it counts. Thank you, Ollie. I've always like. To be fair, I've been I've been giving him biscuits and sweets and crisps backstage, so he's going to agree with anything I say. Um, but it was like, hey, I mean, I think at the end, Ricky kind of backed backed off, though he didn't back off straight away. But he did send his people after me, and it, but it was just a torrent for three days. My Twitter feed was like going that fast. Yeah. But if you stopped it, it was just people saying, you spastic, you mong. You've got to go, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe this is still used as an insulting phrase if all the fans are just doing that. So, like, yeah, you've really proved Ricky's point there that, it's, that now that word has been... Uh, but anyway, yeah, so it was, that was, it was an unpleasant time. But you've, you've done but it. That's happened, that's happened to me a bit now, yeah. I, mainly since the documentary, normally about these issues. Yeah. And Piers Morgan's got to set his... His fox is on me. Um, and that's really funny for a day and then really awful. Yeah. And um, who else? Yeah, Liam Gallagher, he, he had a go. I, I, I pulled him up on the R word. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it doesn't... doesn't the first, after the first time it's happened, it doesn't really bother you anymore. No, no, it doesn't. But, you know, but it, obviously it's, it's an important subject to talk about and you've done a documentary about... Uh, about we did a documentary together, didn't we? Or? Yeah. Yeah. It was quite good. Ollie got to meet lots of people with Down syndrome, which was great, because I think before we did the documentary, I never intended to put Ollie in it. But before we did the documentary, Ollie felt quite negatively about his Down syndrome. He would say, I don't like my Down syndrome, I finished with it. And then afterwards, we met all these amazing people, like Sarah Gordy and Tommy Jessup, and, and you could see that it was cool. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mum's right. <laughs> And, and I could as well. I could. I could as well. Yeah. Well, you know, but it's, impo- you know, it's important. To, it's, it's great that you're in the public eye and able to, you know, make these points and, and talk about it. I'm, I'm over it now. Good, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Job. I mean, he's 18 now. He's out on his own. Yeah, exactly. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Ollie. He's... I think he's going to be all right. I mean, you know, I've, 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 I've met him backstage and uh, he's... Uh, I think he's he full of shandy himself. and ready to party. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, uh, look, let's uh, we'll whisk through some other stuff before we uh, we finish off. But uh, Veep is in- incredible, and you're incredible on. Well, Veep. I'm just incredibly lucky. I got that. I mean, you know, oh, many people debts of thanks, or your whole career is just a series of accidents. But I got that because Rebe- Rebecca Front is terrified of flying. <laughs> so Armando had got that job for Rebecca, and she decided she didn't want to go to and from Baltimore. As I was basically born on a plane. I love flying. I'll go yeah. anywhere if anyone pays the plane flight and so and she was a complete heroine of mine she's julia louis dreyfus is just one of the most brilliant comedy act- actors of all time of either gender and um so yeah lucky me i got to go and um was a bit worried because i had to improvise in you know i had to be finnish and i didn't know i'd never been to finland didn't speak finnish and didn't know anything about I'd say politics in general. <laughs> not just Finnish politics and not just US politics, but all, all politics. And um, so, yeah, I was really worried. I read loads of books and I watched all of Borgen and, and I, stalked, I stalked the previous five Finnish prime ministers on Twitter. And, um, and I started to learn Finnish on the island. I was really scared. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and then, and then it was fine. And we got, had really great chemistry and really made each other laugh. And, 
So it's, you know, really amazing life experience. What do the people of Finland think of your performance? Well, well, at the beginning they were like, oh, you know, her accent's really dreadful. <laughs> but it wasn't really dreadful. I don't think it was really dreadful. I think it was all right. All the Swedes thought it was brilliant. So I think if you're Finnish... <laughs> if you're Finnish, it was not good, not good enough. But yeah. if you were from anywhere else, it was fine. I mean, you're good at languages, but Finnish is like no other language in the world, is it? It it's is, like... and also 60% of the... Finns, I think it's 60%, speak Swedish. Okay. And so I was like, well, you know, surely you can be slightly Swedish if they speak Swedish. But I've recently discovered they speak Swedish with a kind of Finnish accent. So, okay. So it's, it's all about rolling your R's. Okay. You know. There seem to be a lot of K's in Finnish, is what I'm yeah. it might just have been, I remember. My, my show yeah. Talking Cock went to Finland. It was one of my favourite ones... Because they did it, they did it as far as I could tell, <laughs> fairly, fairly true to the original. Sorry, they translated they tra- your play, they tra- Talking Cock, yeah. into Finnish. Into Finnish. You're kidding me. Danish, Swedish, French. The French oh, one's done word. really well. Might be coming back if there was any French listeners. There was talk of it coming back. They did. They put out a DVD without telling me, and I had to sue them. But they're they're. <laughs> so how do you say Talking Cock in Finnish? It's like some like. <laughs> that's why maybe there's just in talking cock. I think they may. I think it might be called. There's a lot that's like prick speck. There's one called prick speck, which I think was in Sweden. Um, oh, yeah. They changed the titles, but some of them just completely changed the date. Yeah. I think it's the Danish one. I went with my director Jeremy Herring, who's an incredibly successful uh, yes. uh, director now and works yeah. in uh, proper theatre. But he's done did some of my early plays and directed uh, Talking Cock. And they'd completely changed the whole thing and put songs in it. Uh, and there was a song, it was a song which was, the, and it was like to the tune, so there was an Eminem one, and then there was one to the tune of Send in the Clowns. And it was really serious, right? It was going, he was singing something in Danish really seriously. And we were on the front row, because I don't know why they would, so I don't know why they put us, because compl- absolutely nothing in the show was the same as before I'd done. <laughs> and, um, and we just really started uncontrollably laughing at this song, and everyone was like, <laughs> looking at us like this. And then after the show, we said, what was that? Sending the clowns song. <laughs> We'd actually, it was like, I'd never, you know, like at school when you are not meant to laugh and you're laughing so much, and it was like all the way through, probably about five minutes, it took just like, but not being allowed to show that we are laughing. And then he said, oh yeah, that's a song, that's quite a serious song about date rape. <laughs> But to be fair, that was so out of keeping with what my show was about, which was a celebration of nice people and nice men and women together. And so it was kind of... It was, not, it was fun, though. I got to go all around Europe and see all these productions. Amazing. It was, and, the, and Finland was very nice. Hello, Paula. You're listening. Um, <laughs> I had a nice time in Finland. So... Um, this play, I'm really sorry I didn't see it. Was there a, a talking cock? Or there was wasn't it? a talking cock in it. No, um, I didn't. Uh, it was. It was. I was sort of. It was more of a stand-up show than I suppose. Right. Play. But it was. Yeah. Right. It was just. Uh, uh, it was all about the penis, and I've just written a, a book all about balls. So I've completed the set, though I don't have. Ironically, I don't have a complete set. What a legacy. <laughs> <laughs> It was like I, had to, I had to turn down the vagina monologues because right. I just didn't think I'd be able to do it without snickering. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be nice if someone was... No, it was, it, no, the vagina monologues is kind of... Is, it, was, it was a response to the vagina... Well, not a response, but it was... I was doing Christ in a Bike at the Arts Theatre 
uh, which was uh, used to be the Leicester Square Theatre over there, but it's still there. Um, and the Vagina Monologues was on before me, mm. and it was always full of people. And then I'd go on and do Christ on a Bike, and there'd be 25 people in there. And every time in the bar, someone said, you should do a male version of the Vagina Monologues. I went, don't be stupid, it's such an obvious idea. Then I thought, oh, maybe I'll do one. Maybe people will come and see it. And then I thought there wasn't. I thought men needed to talk. But then that's, again, back to your film. It's about the communication, people talking about their sexual needs and desires, and it's an important thing. So. Yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. If you're British, I think. Well, I, I just find it incredibly hard. I found the worst thing about doing that film was doing the press. Because... I was mortified, and all the interviewers were mortified as well. <laughs> so we, none of us knew how to how to talk about it. <laughs> Even though you've but learned have, from the film, but I, my character my character is there to be really embarrassed. Yeah. So I was really embarrassed. So I was the only person in the film who wasn't having sex. <laughs> um, but it was very moving, really. We did um, the only nudity was in non-sex related scenes. So we had a women's changing room. And there was a woman, you know, all these different bodies and a woman going, oh, I just had a really bad, you know, ex- life experience, bad experiences with men and I just felt like this would be a good opportunity to, you know, claim a bit of power back. I mean, the Aussies are just much better at talking about that stuff yeah. than, than we are. End of discussion about the film. <laughs> I just can't talk about it. I just can't. It's, it's really embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. It's good. Right, what's coming? We better quickly go into anything that's coming up. The things that I've found you're doing coming up. Oh, you've, there's so much you haven't talked about. Taskmaster, I loved you having sex with that water cooler. That was amazing. Um, that was amazing. Uh, you were so good on Taskmaster. Um, it's uh, the banking on Mr. Toad. I don't know. If, I don't think that's happening. Okay. It's a film. Basically, films, you know, they just... Their finance falls away, so you get... You know, you get signed for something, and yeah. and then the like, like Bridget Jones. You know, I'm I'm booked. It's been announced. I'm booked for now, <laughs> but um, it's been delayed. So yeah. let's see. Let's see if it happens. Well, what is happening? You've set up a production company with Ronnie and Kona. I have. I have is... set up a production company with Ronnie and Kona called Captain Dolly, and we're a group of small companies. This is just very boring. No, it's not. A group it's... of small companies, I've and we're hoping to make lots of uh, lots of low budget. Well, high budget eventually, but um, we want to make some films, some comedy films. Our dream is, you know, wouldn't it be lovely to have your own comic strip? Yes. You know, a gang of people who you thought were really funny, just as we were talking about back in, back in the 20s, a group to get really arrogant again with <laughs> in old age and just, um, you know, back each other up and, and get sharper. You know, you get fewer and fewer opportunities to actually learn, I think. Yeah, so I think that's the, there's great. so many talented people. I think that you know, and I think yeah. you know, we were talking backstage about sort of improvised films, and I think there's so many comedians who are capable, and so yeah. many comedy actors who are capable of actually yeah. improvising good dialogue, which is obviously as a writer you're you're yes. able to do. We, we're hoping to do quite a lot of uh, international co-pros as well. So I've got a film with Sweden, which is great, which hopefully will go next year, and then one in Italy as well. So there's there are not that many low budget. Um, comedy companies working with other countries so yeah. I hope that will be a way of travelling <laughs> <laughs> I just is there someone to help you and Ronnie out with organising everything properly because <laughs> I just just can worry about the two you of you being, in, you, you two being in charge of something yes just, <laughs> yes there is she's <laughs> called Leila Musabi and uh, yeah we're hoping to get uh, another fantastic person on board to help us yeah right. you're completely right you've absolutely identified the problem <laughs> I mean, Ronnie is 
more nuts than you are. So that is, you know, that is, <laughs> I do love her very much. Um, so uh, is, there any, is there anything that you can talk about that's coming up apart from that? Is there any, have you got any? I've, yeah, I think so. I mean, I did a film called um, The Statistical Probability of Love at First Sight, um, where I was married to Dexter. And um, that should be coming out on Netflix in the next couple of months, I think. Right. And then something called My Happy Ending, <laughs> which, in which I die of cancer. <laughs> Well, I'll definitely With watch that one. So it's, uh, I'll definitely watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been lovely to see you again. And you. Why did we stop hanging around? I think it's because uh, you were going out with so many other people oh, and yeah, I was, was... couldn't get over that. I love you and uh, thank you very thank much you for coming very on the show. Much. Sally Gillis, ladies and gentlemen. Richard Herring, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. You have been listening to Rahulastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Sally Phillips. Thank you to Scant Regard for providing this music. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, and all of the Go Fast the Strike team. Uh, thank you very much to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuss and Go Faster Stripe production for the internet. Go to gofasterstripe.com. There's loads of goodies to be had. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>